we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. When you end the past, there is not only a new observation, but a sense of extraordinary freedom and movement. Hello and welcome to episode 201 of Urgency of Change, the first episode of season 5. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast features carefully selected clips from our extensive archives. The aim is to represent different aspects of Krishnamurti's radical approach to many of the issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is ending. Upcoming themes are sex, belief and work. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit the official YouTube channel for hundreds of full-length video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks and discussions. In addition, the Foundation's own channel features a large collection of specially selected video clips. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on ending has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sana in 1978, titled Find Out What It Means to End. So we must find out for ourselves what it means to end. Not the ending of death, you understand? That's one of the things. But what does it mean to end? The ending of my anxiety. Ending. Not what happens after I end. We'll find out. Ending my desire, my longing, my frustrations. Ending my hurts. Ending the desire to fulfil, ending it. Right? You understand what I'm... The ending of something, psychologically and even physiologically. The ending of your attachment to another. The ending of your belief, the ending of not belonging to any institution, the ending of it. 
what happens. You follow what I'm saying? If we understand one thing, then we can move to the ending which we call life, which is death. The ending of attachment. Because most of us are attached to something or other, right? To our bodies, to our looks, to our husband, to our girl, to our belief, to our God, something or other. Attachment. Now, can you end attachment? Not say, I'll get something out of it, just cut it. Surgically, rationally, seeing all the, the cause of attachment, what is implied, which we went into, I won't go into all that, and to end it completely. Have you ever done anything ending something completely? Especially attachment, if you do it now, as we are talking, become aware of your attachment, end it. And see, observe, then what takes place. You cannot observe very clearly if you don't end something. What happens? Right? Say, for instance, you're attached to nicotine, smoking. I'm taking that very ordinary, rather stupid example. What happens? Without fear. You end it because it's irrational. Why waste money and all the rest of it? If you end it because it affects your heart, your lungs, your, then you are not ending it. You are ending it out of fear. But being aware of all the results and so on, cause and smoking, say, drop it completely today, now. Then what has taken place? Isn't there? Not only freedom from smoking, but isn't there a new sense of freedom, a new beginning? You're following this? If you end your attachment to the country, to you know, attachment to a piece of furniture, if you end it completely. Then there is a new beginning, isn't there? No? There is no new beginning if you do it out of fear. 
if you do it out of rationalized, careful analysis. But if you see the whole nature of attachment, how it, what is involved in it completely, and end it, then you will see there is totally new beginning. Because the ending is the past. And when you are ending the past, then there is not only a new observation, but a sense of extraordinary freedom and movement not born of the past. I want to forget all this. Do it, and you will discover this for yourself. And death. We're all going to die one day or another. That's, you know. If every one of us lived forever and ever and ever, amen, think of what the earth would be like. Filled with ghastly, old, increpid, you follow? <laughs> so I'm asking myself, and you're asking yourself, why shouldn't I die? Not commit suicide, that's too silly. Why should I die? What am I, huh? What's wrong with death? Why, why is there this colossal fear about it? I know very well what it means to end smoking. Right? I took that silly example. I know what I'm aware. Not I'm a, there's an awareness of ending attachment to guru, to ideas, to a pattern. Ending. What, what happens when I end? There's such great sense of freedom and beauty in it. So why shouldn't I, why shouldn't there be an ending? Ending to what? You understand my question? I know I can end smoking, ending attachment, but ending which is there, can I? What is this ending? You're following this? Does it interest you all this? So I inquire into what is living. You understand? You're following? Not what is 
ending what is living. It's odd that you all should be living, listening to this man, isn't it? So I mean, we are asking, what is living? Can there be an ending to this thing called living? Right? Then I'm asking, what is this living? The living, daily, monotonous routine with all the problems. That's my life, your life. Not mine, sorry. It's your life. Not that I'm separate, I don't enter into it. What is this ending? Ending to what? Ending to my attachment to a husband, wife, girl, boy, ending knowledge, ending experience, ending all the sensations, ending Sex. Right? Ending this constant battle in oneself and with others. Right? This thing is what we call living. Right? It's not my idea, this is what you're doing. Now, can I end or can, is there an ending to all that? You, you, ending to your sorrow, ending to your ambition, your pride, your vanity, your arrogance, violence. Can you end all that? Of course you can. As you have ended smoking, as you have ended attachment, you can end your ambition, your vanity, your hurts, your you know, the whole thing. I don't have to go into it. You can end it. Right? If you have ended it, actually, not theoretically, in daily life, then what is death? Death is then the ending of sensation, ending of the brain cells. You understand? Ending. Like a 
like a leaf in the autumn. That leaf in the autumn has beautiful colour, it's full of colour. There's in that leaf the whole universe is. Not theoretical, but actually. So if in the way we are living, right, then there is a totally different beginning. Not I begin in totally differently. You understand? Because when you left attachment completely, there was no I beginning. There was a state of total freedom from a particular thing. And in that freedom there was a great sense of release, great sense of freedom, a new, totally new beginning without the anchors of of attachment. So can you end what you call the living, the worries, the problems, ending the problem, never to carry it a single minute over, because if you have a problem and you carry it over, over and over and over and day after day for another year, that deteriorates the brain. So we're asking, if you end the way one lives now, there is a new beginning without the me. And then Death has no meaning. Then you don't ask what happens after my life, right? Because you have ended the thing that you call living, which is me, with all my problems, my anxieties, my worries, my pro- you follow. Will you do it? Oh, say it's a marvelous idea. And carry on our daily, monotonous, useless life. When you understand the full meaning of death. and the ending of that it signifies, time as such has come to an end. I'm just talking to myself, unless you do it. Time in the sense of non-movement of hope.
And this whole inquiry is really a profound meditation, not sitting cross-legged and doing all kinds of silly stuff, because then in the total ending creation takes place. Then there is really an extraordinary sense of tremendous passion and energy, which is not a reward. The second extract is from the third talk in Sanin, 1982, titled Ending Without a Cause. Where there is a cause, there is an ending. If I have tuberculosis, I can the cause is my coughing and blood and all the rest of it. And that cause can be cured and the effect will disappear. Please follow this carefully. Let's follow, examine this carefully. I won't use the word follow. Forgive me. We are saying where there is a cause, the effect can be ended with the ending of cause. Right? And all our life is based on, is the movement of causation. I like you, you are my friend. You flatter me, I'm delighted. I I flatter you. You say something unpleasant, I hate you. In all this movement, there is a causation. Right? Cause. We're asking, is there a life, a living, without causation? We must understand first the implications of ending. You understand? I I end anger or greed in order to achieve something else. I love you because you you are my audience. That is, you flatter me. I fulfil myself in talking to you. Right? And I feel sad or depressed when there is no audience. So there is always a cause and an ending. So we are inquiring, what is, what is it to end? Is end, ending a continuation, a continuation? I end something and begin something else. 
which is another fall of the same thing. Are you following? This is rather going too slowly, I must go into very careful. See, one must go to go into this very deeply, one has to understand the conflict of the opposites. The conflict of duality. I am greedy, one is greedy, and for various social, economic, moral reasons I must end it. In the ending of it there is a cause, because I want something else. The something else is the result of the cause. I have not really ended the greed, but I have replaced the greed by something else. Right? I am violent. One is violent by nature, because that violence has been inherited from the animal and so on. We won't go into that. We are violent human beings. The cause of that violence may be very complex, but the result of that complex causation is violence. I want to end violence, because I think it's too stupid. And so, in ending, I am trying to find a field which is non-violent, which has no shadow of violence in it. But I haven't really ended violence, only I have transmuted that word or translated that feeling into another feeling, which is, feeling is the same. You got it? I want to capture this. Are we cooperating together in this? We put it in ten different ways. You see, if thought has cause, which it has, then the ending of cause, does it mean thoughtlessness? Or something totally different? If it is something totally different, then it has no cause. Right? Please understand. Don't go to sleep, please. This is not an intellectual entertainment or verbal exchange, but this will have, if we go into it very carefully, deeply, it will affect our daily life. 
because that may be the ending of conflict. Because our, our life is in conflict, our consciousness is in conflict, it is messy, confused, contradictory. And our consciousness is the result of thought. Right? And because thought has a causation, our consciousness has a cause. And what has a cause, and the movement of that cause as effect is time. We went into that. Is there a way of observing without cause? You understand my question? I want to observe all my complex life, my contradictions, once imitation, conformity, the various conclusions with their opposites, all that is a movement of causation. Right? Of course. I can end, end that causation by will, by a desire to have an orderly life. The orderly life may be born out of a causation. Right? Because I am disorderly. So, when discovering the disorderliness of my life and wishing to have an orderly life, that orderly life has a causation. And therefore, it is not orderly. Right? Is this clear? It's a very complex subject, and I hope you will bear, have patience to go into it. So, is intelligence, has intelligence a cause? Obviously not. Right? Now I'm going to. What is order? There is the order of law. Based upon various experiences, 
judgments, necessities, convenience, to keep out the ill-doers, and so on. So, what we call order, social order, (coughs) ethical order, political order, and so on, has essentially a basis, a background, a cause. Now we are asking, is or has order a cause? We are going to investigate it together. Now do we recognise, see, how our lives are disorderly? Right? Disorderly being contradictory, conforming, following, accepting, denying what we may want and accepting something else. The conflict between the various opposites. That is disorder. Right? Because I accept one form of thought as order, but I think also it's the opposite. The opposite may create disorder. So there I'm living always in the, within the field of this opposites, right? So will disorder end completely end in my life, in our lives, if I want order? I want to live peacefully. I want to have pleasant life, companionship and so on and so on. That desire is born out of this disorder. Get it? So the opposite is born out of this, out of its own opposite. I'm angry, I hate, I mustn't hate, therefore I'm striving not to hate, and not to hate is the outcome of my hate. Right? If there is no hate, it has no opposite. Right? So the ending of hate has no opposite, has no result. I wonder if you capture all this. I see that. You see, thought has created disorder. 
Let's accept, see that fact. Thought has created disorder in the world through nationalities, through division. I am a Jew, you are an Arab. I believe and you don't believe. You follow? Those are all the activities of thought which in itself is divisive, in itself. It can't bring unity, because in itself it is divisive, fragmented. That which is fragmented cannot see the whole. Right? So I discover that I am my consciousness is entirely in disorder, and I want order, hoping thereby I'll end conflict. There is a motive. That motive is the cause of my desire to have an orderly life. Right? So order is born there out of disorder. Right? Therefore, that order perpetuates disorder, which is happening in the political, religious, other fields. I wonder if you see that. Clear? Now let's go back. Now, I see the cause of disorder. I don't want to move away from disorder. I see the cause of it, that I am contradictory. that I am angry, the confusion, I, rec- I see it, I see the cause of it. I am not moving away from the cause or the effect. I am the cause and I am the effect. You see that? I am the cause and the things that happen is myself also. So any movement away from that is disorder. Right? I wonder if you get to So the ending without a future. Right? The ending of what is has no future. Any future projected by my demand for order is still continuation of disorder. So can I is there an observation of my disorder and the ending of it without any cause? You get it? You understand? I'm violent when it's violent. One wants to be famous. One wants so many things. There is violence in human beings. The cause of that violence is essentially a self-centred movement. Right? Right? 
you want, you are violent because you are self-centered. I am also violent because I am self-centered. Therefore, there is a battle between us. Right? This is obvious. So, there is violence in me. I am not pursuing, thought is not pursuing non-violence, which is a form of violence. If you see that very clear, then I'm only con- there is only the concern with violence. The cause of that violence, as we said, may be so many contradictory demands, so many pressures which I, I oppose, and so on, so on. We can go into all that. I don't want to go into that for the moment. So. There are many causes. The one cause of violence is this self. The self being, which has many aspects, it cover, hides behind many ideas. I am, I am an idealist. Hmm? Because that appeals to me, and I want to work for that ideal. But in the working of that ideal, I am becoming more and more important, or I cover up that uh, by the ideal, and the very escape from myself is part of my self. Right? This whole movement is the factor of violence. I want to kill others because by killing you there may be a better world. You know all the stuff I do. So, is there an observation, please, of disorder, seeing the cause of that disorder, and the ending of it without ending of it. You understand my question? Is this clear or not? I want. I perhaps I smoke. I. It is a habit. A habit which I want to break. I want to break because I'm, I want to be healthy. It's affecting my heart, my brain, my activity, and so on, so on. Therefore, I want to end it. There's a motive behind it, right? I'm really not ending it. I'll substitute smoking for something else, which is habit, right? So. Is there an ending of habit? Ending of it completely. Not replacing it by something else. The third extract is from the second question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1980, titled 
the ending of thought. To come to that point, one has to find out if thought can end. Not temporarily, not between two thoughts. There is a gap and a period of silence or unconscious movement Can thought ever end? This has been the problem of most serious and those people who have gone into this radically ending, trying to, through meditation, to end thought. I hope we are following each other all this. I'm not talking to myself. Can thought, which is so enormously powerful, which has got such volume of energy behind it, that energy created through millennia, both in the scientific field, the economic, religious, social, personal, all that activity can that come to an end. Which means can this can those things that thought has built into our consciousness of which we are can that consciousness with its content end? Why do we want to end it? What is the motive behind this desire to end thought? Is it that we have discovered for ourselves how thought creates enormous trouble, great deal of travail, great anxiety of the future, of the past, of the present? <coughs> The thought that brings about a sense of utter isolation, loneliness. Can all that come to an end? When one asks that question, can it come to an end, are we seeking a method to end it? A system of meditation? A system which you practice day after day so as to end thought. If you practice day after day to end thought, that very practice intensifies thought. Naturally. So what is what to do? I hope we are meeting each other. One realises the nature of thought its superficiality, its intellectual game. One knows all this. How thought divides, divides, divides into nationalities, into religious beliefs, and so on, so on, so on. And 
conflict. That's all we know. Perpetual conflict from the moment we are born till we die. Is that the reason why we want to end all? So one has to be very clear, if I may, if one may point out, the motive. One must be very clear why one wants to end thought, if that's possible. Because the motive will dictate, will direct. One can live in an illusion that thought has come to an end. And many people do. But that illusion is merely another projection of thought which desires to end itself. So, realizing the whole complex problem of this, thought and the things that thought has built as consciousness with its content, can all that come to an end? If the speaker says it can, what value has it? None whatever. But if one realizes the nature of our consciousness and the movement of thought as a material process, and to observe it, can we do this? To observe the movement of thought. Not as an observer different from thought. Are following? Can we go a little bit into this? Can one observe the movement of thought not as an observer looking at thought, but thought itself becoming aware of its own movement? You follow it? The, uh, the, the uh, awakening of thought and thought itself becoming a thought itself observing its movement. Can we do this? Take a very simple example, either greed or nationalism, which are both the same. To observe it as it arises in one, and then to discover for oneself is the observer 
Is the thinker different from thought? I hope you're following with this. Am I making myself somewhat clear? I observe thinking. That's fairly easy. I separate myself as an observer and watch my thinking, which most of us do. But this division is illusory, is fallacious, because the thinker is thought. Right? So, can the observer be absent in his observation? You're getting what? Am I meeting? The, ob- the observer, the thinker, is the past. The remembrance, the images, the knowledge, the experience, all the things that he has accumulated in the, during, the, during that time, the past, is the observer. The observer names a reaction as greed, and when he, when he names it, it's already caught in the past. I don't know if you're following all this. Whereas to observe this reaction without naming it, This reaction, which we call greed, by the very naming of it, you have established it in the past. It becomes the past. Whereas if there is no naming but pure observation in which there is no division as the observer and the observed, the thinker and the thought, the experiencer and the experience, then what takes place? You're following all this? Are we coming along together somewhat? See, our, our conditioning is is this division between the observer and the observed. That's why we make such enormous struggle to control the thing that was observed. Right? I'm greedy. That's the reaction. I am different from greed and therefore I can control it. I can operate on it. I can suppress it. I can enjoy it. I can do something about it. But the fact is the, the thinker is the thought. There is no thinker without thought. So, to observe without the past memories, reactions, all that projecting itself immediately in observation. Right? So, to observe purely, without any direction, without any motive, Then one will find, if one goes into it pretty deeply, that thought does come to an end. Thought being time, right? 
thought is a movement and so time is a movement. So time is thought. Right, sir? So when one... This real meditation, you understand? Not all this stuff that goes on in the name of meditation. This real meditation, which is to see the movement of thought, for thought to see its own movement, how it arises, the creating of the image, and the pursuit of that image. And to observe it so that there is no recognition of what is being observed. You understand what I'm saying? That is, to make it very, very simple. To observe a tree without naming it, without wondering what use it can be put to, just to observe it. Then the division between the tree and you comes to an end. But you don't become the tree, I hope not. Hmm? You understand? The division, which the word creates, the division which the, resp- the physical, nervous, neurological responses to that tree creates the division. That is, can I observe my wife, if I have one, or my girl, if I have one, or another, without the word, and so without the image, without all the remembrance of, in that relationship, which is to observe purely. Then, in that observation, which is complete attention, has not thought come to an end? This requires a great deal of attention, close, step-by-step watching, like a good scientist who watches very, very, very carefully. If one can, when one does that, thought does come to an end. Therefore, time has a stop. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1976, titled An Ending with No Beginning. So we have talked, we have gone into the question of world and you are the world and the world is you, time, and the desire for continuity and the fear of ending, And and the ending is the me, 
which is put together by thought, and the origin of thought is reaction. So the, when life as we know it, that is, our daily life of confusion, misery, attachments, pain, anxiety, that's all we know, with pleasure, occasional joy, sexual, all the rest of it, we don't have to repeat over and over again. All that comes to an end. Is there a totally different dimension in which there is no beginning and no ending? You, all that we know is a beginning and an ending, and the fear of ending. Right? Are we meeting each other? Fear of ending, which is death. So, I'm ask, uh, we're asking, can the life that one lives end in end can all the attachments, beliefs, experiences, knowledge end now? That means dying now. You understand the question? I wonder if you do. Look, sir, our life, our daily life, which has been a continuous stream from the very beginning of humanity till now, a, a river, and then a, a rushing river of sorrow, misery, confusion, quarrels, violence, bestiality, wars, utter selfishness, lack of compassion, all that is a vast stream flowing, of which we are. Either that can end, or it will continue forever. You understand? I wonder if you understand this. Either there is ending to that stream, that means the mind which has lived in that stream, which is of that stream, that can that consciousness completely empty itself of all that, and therefore dying to all that, ending to all that, and therefore if there is an ending to all that, there is a totally different beginning in which there is no end or beginning. I wonder if you can. Have you got? Have you got it, sir? Have some of you got this? I'll go into it again, because 
death. Christians have made, of, made death into one thing, the Hindus, the Buddhists have made into another thing. And human beings, whatever their beliefs, whatever their beliefs in reincarnation, whatever it is, it doesn't affect their life. They are frightened of an ending. The ending of everything they have known. Death means losing all that. Your family, your houses, your insurances, your attachments, whether they be to furniture, to people, to houses, to beliefs, to ideals, to gods. Losing everything that you have known, which is the ending, obviously. We cannot face that. The thought is a material process. And thought has put together that thing which is me. The me is the known. I may not know all the content of me, but it is the known when investigated and discovered, self-knowledge. All that is a, a continuous movement of time as thought and matter. That is what we live with, and that is what we are attached to, and when that ends, there is fear of death. You have understood? So we rather live with the known, that is our misery, our confusion, our struggles, our pettiness and all the rest of the ugliness, we rather cling to that than say, look, end it. That means putting a and then to time, that is, there is no tomorrow. You understand? So, the living is the ending of what is known as life, which is our pain and all the rest of it. And to that we cling desperately. And being afraid, we seek shelter, we seek comfort, we seek some palliative. And we then have innumerable beliefs that I will continue and I will meet my brother, my sister. You follow? As long, <clears throat> as long as a human being lives in that river of sorrow and not end it, humanity will go on endlessly in that stream. But when there is an ending to that, there is a totally different dimension in which there is no beginning and no ending. 
and that is absolutely timeless. This you have to come upon by living it, by not talking about it, it has no meaning. But when you attach to something, end it today, not tomorrow. And you, one can, because there is pleasure in attachment, in possession. And to look at that pleasure and see what all the implications of that pleasure bring, bring about, which is fear of losing, fear of uh, not having that same thing tomorrow, jealousy, anxiety, hatred, you've, all that comes out of that attachment. Seeing all that as a whole and to end it instantly is dying to all that now. And therefore there is a totally different dimension in which there is neither an ending nor a beginning, which is eternity. You understand what I'm talking about? No, please, you have got to live this thing. You understand? In your daily life, which means you are greedy. When a, a human being is conditioned to be greed, to have greed, conditioned by society, by education, by endless years of tradition, that's part of his tradition, that he must be greedy. And not being able to meet that, how to dissolve that greed, he invents a world of non-greed. Therefore he says, give me time to achieve that. But if he knows how to observe greed, then there is, there is only that feeling, there is not the other non-greed. To observe it means one has to find out if the word greed brings the feeling or the feeling exists apart from the world. This is really important to find out. Do I exist apart from the world, the name, the form, this, that and the other? So, in the same way, is greed encouraged by the world or is that feeling, sensation independent of the world? If it is an independent of the world, it's just a sensation. And you must have, have full sensations. Therefore you are completely out of that category of belonging to, to the world of greed. You understand this? So, you, if you know, if there is an ending of your pleasure of tomorrow, then you will discover for yourself that death means, in everyday life, a beginning in which there is no ending and beginning. You know, man 
has sought this everlastingly. I don't know if you have gone into it. I do not know if you have gone into yourself very deeply. Because you are the history of mankind. You are the essence of mankind. And if you know how to read that book, you don't have read any other book in the world, apart from technological books or some something or other. There is this vast unread book of yourself, and to learn and to read it, you must have the capacity to observe it to look into it. You can only look into it, not page after page, page after page. Please listen to this. But to read the whole book in an instant. And you can do that if there is no observer or the reader reading a book. You've got it. That is, the book is yourself, and the reader is that which he is reading. But if the reader says, I am different from that which I am reading, then he is translating what he is reading according to his prejudice, his knowledge, his previous history. And therefore, between the reader and that which he reads, there is always distortion, conflict. So if you, if, if there is the art, which is to put everything in its right place, therefore when you read that book of yourself, there is only the observation, not retention, not acquiring knowledge, and with that knowledge read the book. You understand? There is only observation of that book, and it will tell you everything. Literally, it will cover the whole psychological world. So, the ending of life, which is our daily life, of which you are so frightened, Because we want something permanent, you understand? And we think the me is permanent, right? The me identified with with the with the house. The house is permanent, semi-permanent. So, through. What it thinks is permanent, it has made itself permanent. You understand? So, that has become our greatest illusion, that I am permanent. When you look at that I, it is put together by thought. And thought is a material process. Until you see that deeply, 
you are always frightened of death. But if you see that the Me is totally impermanent, because thought is impermanent, and that which thought put together, puts together, is impermanent, then there is no fear of lose, of ending. Because it is thought that says, I will continue. But thought itself knows that it is also an end. So the ending is not only a new beginning, but it is that movement which is not of time in which there is no beginning and no ending.